We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Hope your Friday is treating you well. What I want to do today is go over the current leverage battle, the battle of who blinks first between Joe Douglas of the New York Jets and Brian Gutekunst of the Green Bay Packers. We certainly have a little bit of a tug of war and, like I said, ultimately a, a staring contest to see who's going to blink first and who's ultimately going to maybe put down their demands a little bit and, and maybe you know give way to the other team. But before we get there, we did have a couple pieces of news as we always go over first and foremost. The biggest piece is that Robert Tunyon is no longer a member of the Green Bay Packers. And of course, as per every year, players love going to, you know, inside the division. And yes, I know Lazard and, and Rodgers, they're going to the Jets and whatever, but like there's always players that end up in the division. And this time it is Robert Tunyon with the Chicago Bears. This is uh this is an interesting one, right? So first of all, these are pretty good fit for the Bears. You know, they obviously have familiarity there with Luke Getze. Cole Komet is the number one guy. So Tunyon's not coming in and expected to be this, you know, number one overall tight end for them. Certainly gives Chicago a level of depth at that position. So uh, I like the move overall for Chicago. I also don't mind 
losing Tunyon for Green Bay. And yes, he at the end of last year, there was a little bit of a sign that maybe he was overcoming his ACL injury. And if this if there is a year that he probably looks a little bit more like himself, it probably is this year as he's a full year removed from that ACL. But if, you know, truth be told, in 2020, he had his his very big breakout. And then in 2021, he got hurt. And even before he got hurt, despite having a phenomenal training camp, didn't look the same at the start of that 2021 season. In 2022, no run after the catch, no real separation in his routes. He did improve as a blocker, which I will give him a ton of credit for. He Not a great blocker, but he improved quite a bit. So I respect the heck out of that, just the time, effort, energy he put in into becoming a better blocker. Like I said, at the end, we saw a little bit more burst than we did earlier in the year. But um, if, if Robert doesn't get some of that juice back, if, if you don't have run after the catch ability, if you don't have separation ability as a tight end, Man, that makes things very, very tough. He's not exactly like a red zone jump ball specialist. We did see him make some pretty spectacular catches, but Aaron had to throw him some trust balls in order to really see those come to fruition. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, and this is coming from somebody who was like Bobby Tunyon's like 1A supporter when he first came to the team. And it was so fun seeing him. The I still remember the the first deep pass that he caught from Aaron Rodgers and just freaking the heck out. And then the, the big breakout year in 2020 where he was just fantastic. And then, um, you know, it's been a bummer. And I think the ACL just sort of completely changed his career trajectory. Because as I mentioned, prior to his torn ACL, that training camp, like he legit was like the MVP of training. It was so freaking good. And I know for those of you who have followed the Packers long enough, the MVP of training camp is an absolute, like nothing ever good comes out of the MVP of training camp. Like you're just hoping that some awful player is the MVP of training camp because it, it never ends well for some reason. It's like the, you know, dark arts teacher in Harry Potter. It's just completely cursed. But, uh, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best, obviously, uh, when he plays against Green Bay and, you know, all of those sort of things. It's never easy when those players become Chicago Bears or Lions or Vikings or things like that. But uh, he was a really cool story. Comes in as a wide receiver, transitions to tight end, you know, over his career in the NFL. Uh, really went from quarterback in college to wide receiver to tight end in the NFL. And then going from, you know, complete obscurity to a legit starting tight end at one point. Um, was a really cool climb for him. So bummer that he's going to Chicago, but uh, wish him nothing but the best overall, just not when you're playing the Packers uh, in that case. But other piece of news, Packers did try out a safety, Tarvarius Moore, uh, who was previously a member of the San Francisco 49ers, core special teams player. So as I mentioned yesterday, Rich Pasachia seems to have a ton of pull in that building for what type of players he wants to add to his special teams. The first, uh, the first, the big re-signing is Keyshawn Nixon, special teams guy. The big signings, the only signing so far is a long snapper. They bring in Tavarius Moore, uh, potentially a key special teams player there, but he does have some safety chops. Wouldn't necessarily be like a guy that you're hoping for, expecting to be a core starting safety, but uh, he was a, um, a really interesting prospect coming out of college and he would be a decent pickup for Green Bay, just uh, left without a, a deal at this point. So not going to deep dive too much into Tarvarius Moore other than just because you know, it was just a tryout at this point, but would be an interesting signing for Green Bay if they did want to go in that direction. And that brings us to our main topic for today, which everyone's talking about. And I'll, I'm going to say this right out. This is not trade compensation talk. I am done with trade compensation. We'll talk a little bit about it, but that's not the core of today's episode. The core is who actually has the main leverage in this negotiation between the Jets and between the Packers. So 
We learned, remember, and of course, you know this by now, Aaron Rodgers plans on playing for the New York Jets. And he basically said, you know, the the Packers were sort of dragging their feet and he kind of hinted nudge, nudge that he wants the Packers maybe to do him a little bit of a solid so that Rodgers can get over to the Jets sooner rather than later and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's not going to happen, right? Yes, he's going to play for the Jets. Yes, this trade ultimately will happen. There's no need to do a, you know, the quarterback any, like it's not helping Aaron anyway. Like they're going to get this deal done in some capacity in the near future. So Green Bay is smart at this point to try to get as much as possible out of Aaron for, you know, this is not just, um, you know, I get the dynamics of having to trade away Aaron and knowing what's best for Jordan, but this is a this is an asset for Green Bay. You're you know you don't get in the the business of the NFL of just like handing out you know things you know for less than what they're worth. You you want to get as much as you possibly can, and that's what Brian Gutekind's job literally is is to try to make the best decisions for the Green Bay Packers and to try to get the most out of that deal. So uh, yeah, I'm sure that. You know, they'll, they'll have reasonable conversations with the Jets, but they're going to want to get their ROI on Aaron Rodgers and getting something out of this deal as well. Now, I've had numerous conversations about compensations, and I know most of you have not liked those conversations because my biggest thing has been just be cautious. And I know I've said, I think second round pick plus something else is probably what Green Bay has been looking at. That's what I've kind of been preaching all along. I did pitch on Twitter yesterday, a deal that I think makes sense. So a first round pick for um, from the Jets, their, their first number 13 pick this year, uh, along with Denzel Mims, a conditional third round pick next year, um, excuse me, a conditional second round pick next year, if the Jets would either make it to the AFC championship game or if they, if Rodgers would win an MVP, or maybe you could do like throws for 4,000 yards or something like that, right? So Conditional pick if something hits, and I think AFC Championship game or MVP is a a decent one there. So if either of those hit, Green Bay gets a second round pick in 2024. If neither of them hit, they get nothing. In 2025, if Rodgers played in 2024, if he stays in some capacity in 2024 and remains a Jet next year as well, Green Bay gets a 2025 third round pick. If he retires after the year or they release him, then Green Bay would not get that third round pick in 2025. They would also get Denzel Mims in the deal. So you basically get the first round pick 13 overall, Denzel Mims, and then two conditional picks depending on what he does this year for the Jets and depending if he plays another season for the Jets. The Jets, meanwhile, would get Aaron Rodgers and they would get this year's third round pick. So you're not quite trading away a first round pick because you're trading away a first and you're getting back a third. So Denzel Mims is a complete throw-in. And you might say, I'd rather have Elijah Moore or Corey Davis. Okay, fine, whatever. Like Elijah Moore makes the deal much more complicated. If you want Corey Davis instead of Denzel Mims, that would also be a complete throw-in at that point. Uh, personally, Mims is younger. That's the, why, the reason I want him. Like again, you look at that window, 2025, 2026, I think it just makes a little bit more sense. But ultimately, those are throw-ins. If Corey Davis or Denzel Mims are both in the deal, neither in the deal, one of them's in the deal, whichever one, it does not matter. They're complete throw-ins at this point, right? So focus more on Rodgers in a third for a first and then those two conditional picks. The big thing for Green Bay is you get pick 13. I know I wasn't going to talk about compensation, but it's so easy to talk about compensation. But you get the, the number 13 overall pick. You give away your third this year. So again, it's not exactly a first. You're giving less. 
but you're also getting that throw in the Denzel Mims in this situation, who has some young, talented upside, probably amounts to nothing, but you're getting something. And then you still have two flyers, right? If the Jets go out and kill it this year, which gives you as a Packer fan some incentive to cheer for Rodgers and the Jets too, because if he wins an MVP or an AFC, you know, gets to the AFC championship game, Packers get an additional second round pick next year. If he doesn't, you get nothing. Meanwhile, if he plays another year for the Jets next year, you get another third round pick in 2025. So I think that like that ultimately probably ends up being Aaron Rodgers and a third round pick for a first round pick in Denzel Mims. And I, I still feel like ultimately that feels fair. And again, gives Green Bay some additional bonuses if certain things happen over the course of the next couple of years. Overall though, I would still say in general, and I have been saying in general, be cautious with what you're expecting in return. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Meanwhile, as I mentioned yesterday, Bill Huber interviewed two executives in the NFL, and they thought that Green Bay would get the value, the value of a first round pick. So maybe not the actual number 13 pick. Maybe it's a future pick. Maybe it's a second this year and a third this year, which equals a first round pick, but not necessarily the number 13 pick. But they thought Green Bay would get the value of a first round pick. And as I mentioned, all the conversation right now is about who actually has the leverage in this deal. And if you want to know, just how maybe difficult this is. Like, I guarantee you right now, when I when I said my trade compensation that I just said, there are some of you who are saying like, that sounds great. 
that sounds really, really good. I would take that if I were Green Bay. I would take that if I were New York. There's others that are saying that is way too good for New York. There's others that are saying that is way too good for Green Bay. And like the breadth and width of different takes on what this value should be is insane, is absolutely insane. And even, you know, NFL executives have been on, um, Daniel Jeremiah and, and Move the Sticks talked about it recently. I think J- Jeremiah said a fourth round pick this year and then a conditional pick next year, a conditional second next year that could turn into a first, depending on some of those things. Uh, what I think he said 4,000 yards, a division, or they, they win the division or um, they get to the conference championship. I think that was his, that he said that it would go from a second to a first, but they would get at least a second next year, but only a fourth this year. Bucky Brooks said one second. And then he may, he said maybe two seconds is what he said. But like you even go of, through like people who are very knowledgeable in, in, you know, this uh, in the NFL and like the talking heads and anything. And like the, it's crazy. Like everyone has an insane different view of what that compensation should be. And obviously Jets fans don't want to give up much. The Packer fans want everything possible. So it's just all over the place, right? So where I was at a couple weeks ago, and I think why this is an important discussion today is where I was at a couple weeks ago was that be cautious. And I think a second round pick, maybe a second round pick in Denzel Mims is maybe more what you should be expecting. All right. And here's why. At the time, the Jets had some leverage, right? They knew that the Packers did not want Aaron Rodgers. They knew that he, they were going to move forward with Jordan Love and that they needed to get off of that $60 million contract in some way, right? So they sort of had a little, a lot of leverage in Green Bay over Green Bay in that situation because they knew they needed to get off of that contract, all right? They knew the Packers could save that $60 million by getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. They knew the Packers had no other legitimate options for Aaron because you know, Mark Murphy came out and said that they were not negotiating with any other teams and that Rodgers didn't have permission to talk to any other teams. They knew that the Jets were the only team talking to Rodgers. Murphy completely tipped his hand. The Packers, they, he, they knew that the Packers wanted to move forward with Jordan Love. And they knew if that if they didn't make a deal, if they said, hey, no thanks, that the Packers could end up with nothing, literally nothing in return, or worse, you've got the complete nuclear option where Rodgers is back in Green Bay because he wants to play. You don't have another team to trade him to, and it's complete and utter chaos, right? So the Jets had some legitimate leverage a couple weeks or a week ago, especially after Mark Murphy spoke, I think it was last Friday, right? However, the Packers, even at that time, still had some leverage, right? They have a Hall of Fame four-time MVP quarterback that the Jets want. The Jets were clearly interested and clearly in need of a starting quarterback. Um, they were trying to keep the, at that point, the Packers were trying to keep the illusion. And that was up until about the point where Mark Murphy spoke, but they were trying to keep the illusion for a while that, Hey, we'll keep Aaron Rodgers. If you don't want him, we'll just keep him. So you're going to have to offer more because we'll just keep him otherwise. But that's clearly been changed since then. Um, and then at the time, just ultimately at the end of the day, the Packers had a player and the Jets really wanted that player. So that is leverage. Like that's the, the simplest version of leverage, right? So there's a lot that took place like even a, a couple of weeks ago before we knew that Rodgers was going to end up being a New, a New York Jet that went into this conversation of who ultimately has leverage. And I've touched a, a decent amount on that in the past. Here's the huge thing, however. Things have very much changed. Things have changed in a very massive way. And the Jets have made a very massive mistake. All right. Let me start by the biggest mistake. They talked to Aaron before having a deal in place with Green Bay ahead of time. 
That's the biggest thing here. When Deshaun Watson was on the market a season ago, before teams spoke with Watson and gave their pitch, they had deals in place with the Cleveland Browns of what they would be offering. And then those deals were already in place. Then they had the opportunity to woo Deshaun Watson to their team. And if Watson picked their team, the trade was already set in stone of what it was going to be. That's what happened with the Browns and the Texans. The Browns were able to quickly, after Watson chose his team, flip everything and give all the picks and et cetera, and, and Watson went to the Browns, and the rest was history. In almost every single situation in these situations, what you will have first before the team, and it, it kind of makes sense for both sides, but especially the side that's potentially looking to acquire the player, before they go out and actually have those conversations when given permission to do so, they will work together to find a trade first. And the Jets did not have that done in this situation. And to make things worse, it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to call Aaron and have a conversation, right? And they did have some conversations first, but they fly down Nathaniel Hackett and Robert Sala and Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson and everyone to show just how interested and what looks like how desperate they are for Aaron Rodgers, right? They flew in, they're all in, all right? And then meanwhile, free agency hits, right? So we're not talking about a week ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was when Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo and some of these other quarterbacks were still on the market. Now, all of those quarterbacks have been signed. And then Rodgers goes on McAfee, right? Well, this has all been going now. Rodgers goes on McAfee and says, I'm going to be, or I want to play for the New York Jets. I'm going to be a Jet. Packers trade me. Let's get this done, etc." He goes on McAfee. So now the expectations in New York for from their fan base, from the players who have been all in and burning cheeseheads and everything else, they are completely pot committed to Aaron Rodgers at this point. They have no out. If they leave this situation without getting Aaron Rodgers, it will be an absolute nightmare. And we know at this point that he's going to be a Jet in some way, shape, or form, So, and Rodgers wants to be there. But if the Jets fail in this situation, there is a ton at stake for that, in just overall for the Jets. And meanwhile, the Packers have their starting quarterback, right? And the Jets don't have any good options. So the Packers still have Jordan Love. They don't need to, they don't need, uh, like they, they have a lot more leverage. It's not like they need these picks in exchange to go up and get a quarterback or anything. They have their quarterback and the Jets, like I said, the, all of their options are gone. All right. And as Justice Mosqueda mentioned on Packaday Live the other day, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are 11 and 23, 11 and 23. And they missed on Zach Wilson. All right, they had a top pick, they number two pick in the draft. They go get their quarterback and they miss on Zach Wilson, 11 and 23 as head coach and general manager. Now, what happens if they mess this up? What happens if they don't get Aaron Rodgers and they don't compete this year? What what is Woody Johnson and what like going to do with that duo? Woody clearly want and is all in on going and getting Aaron Rodgers. If those guys don't deliver on Aaron and they go out and struggle this season. And remember, remember all those hard games that I mentioned the other day uh, that they have to play this year? Let me see if I have it actually up here still. Yeah, here it is. So 
Josh Allen twice and the Bills twice, two on the Dolphins twice, Belichick twice, Mahomes and the Chiefs, Herbert and the Chargers, Hurts and the Eagles, Devontae and the Raiders, McCarthy and the Cowboys, Deshaun Watson and the Browns, Russell Wilson and the Broncos, whatever, Jets, Giants in a Meadowlands matchup. And then there's three other games. I don't, I didn't write them down. Those were the key ones, but like that is a extremely tough schedule. And if they don't have Aaron, like with Aaron, with Aaron, that is an extremely tough schedule. Without Aaron, good luck. And what quarterbacks are you pursuing at this point? Matt Ryan? Are you going after Matt Ryan? Are you in the the two obvious ones, right? That you might be saying, well, there's Lamar Jackson and there's four quarterbacks coming up in the NFL draft. So let's play that out for a second. Because I know people are saying like, if we're going to give two firsts for Aaron, just go give two firsts for Lamar. And that might sound good in theory, in some capacity. There's two major issues with that. They they are going to struggle to just fit a Lamar contract in general into their current salary cap space. Like there, there's going to be some issues with that. They could probably find a way though. So it's not a, not terrible, but it's going to be a lot harder. Remember, Aaron does not have a high salary cap hit for the Jets this year in that first year when he goes there. They're going to pay for it later, but there's almost none in that first year. Now they could structure Lamar a similar way. So it's, again, it's not completely undoable. However, however, in order to basically make a deal that the Ravens aren't going to match, you need to have a insane amount of salary cap space and the conviction that you are going to be able to go out and um, actually make a contract that the Ravens aren't going to match. And it was going into the offseason, it was basically the Falcons and the Bears that could probably make it. And the truth is, is no matter what the Jets do to clear space, the deal that they would be able to give Lamar even if they cleared enough to like get a, an offer sheet on the table, the best deal they can do, the Ravens probably match without a blink of the eye. You just did all the Ravens work for them. And then you're still without a quarterback. So I don't I don't legitimately think Lamar is an option. Even if they're, they're willing to give the two first for Lamar, I think you're just ultimately doing the Ravens work for them and you get the contract done and the Ravens just easily match it. So that's number one. You can say, well, there's, there's four quarterbacks in the draft though. Okay. That's a legitimate thing. Like they have pick 13. It wouldn't take the worst thing, like the hardest thing in the world maybe to move up. It would take an exorbitant amount of draft picks. We just saw how it went from nine to one, right? And here, but here's the bigger thing. So let's say they get to number three, right? That's probably the the, the where they can get because here's the thing, right? You, you've you got the, the Houston Texans at two. They're not moving that pick because they need a quarterback. And now you've got the Panthers at one. You may say, well, the Panthers are willing to move back, not to 13. They just moved up from nine. They're not moving back from 13. They they maybe would move back to two, but they're not moving back to 13. So one and two are off the table. Those, are, those picks aren't going anywhere. So you can get to three. Let's say you get to three. First of all, that's going to cost you pick 13 and future first round picks and stuff, right? We just saw how much it takes to get up that far to get a quarterback. So that is going to take a ton of stuff to the Cardinals, much more than it would take to get Aaron Rodgers at this point. But you get a long-term quarterback. That seems better, right? Okay. But again, here's the thing. The first two quarterbacks off the board in that situation, probably CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in some order. All right. So there's two guys left, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, who both are incredibly talented quarterbacks, but are both need a lot of work and time and energy put into those two players. And what do the head coach and general manager of the Jets not have? Time. They're 11 and 23 over their last two games or last two seasons, excuse me. So they don't have that time to put in. 
So that the draft doesn't make sense either. Even if it's Stroud or, or Young, right? And then that screws over the, the long potential long-term with Zach Wilson and makes that whole thing complicated. So you are in a major issue there. So again, free agency, are you going to go get Matt Ryan at this point? They are screwed if they don't get Aaron Rodgers. So a lot, and I mean a lot has changed. And the biggest mistake is that the Jets did not have a deal done before even speaking with Aaron in the first place. And the truth is, no matter how frustrated maybe some of you are with the front office and Brian Gutekunst throughout the situation, he has handled this near perfectly up until this point, assuming that they get the deal done and actually get a legitimate pick, like first pick or haul out of this in some capacity. If they play this right and Goody gets a big return on this, this will have been masterfully done from Brian Gutekunst. Because right now, all the pressure's on the Jets. Fans will lose it in New York if they don't get Aaron. The longer that this goes on, the more Jets fans and players will panic. We've already heard some reports that players on the Jets are getting frustrated with this entire process. And right now, the Packers are winning the public battle right now. Everyone is thinking that Green Bay's handling this well. And it's like, the, what are the Jets going to do? Mina Kimes had a huge saying, like basically saying Green Bay has all the leverage in this situation and the Jets have not handled this well. Now, Green Bay does still need to be slightly careful here. If this drags out too long, court of public opinion could swing to the Jets. Things could get a little bit uglier. Maybe the Jets just literally, you know, legitimately do say, you know what, we're out. We're out. And if you if that happens, then like I said, you do have a very, very ugly mess on your hands. So you want to be a little bit cautious here. And it does ultimately behoove everyone to just start to move forward, right? For Green Bay to finally announce that, even though we know, but Green Bay finally announced that Jordan's the starter moving forward, to have Aaron officially traded away, to know what picks you're going to have in return, to start you know, working on your, your draft strategy and those sort of things. Like, to get Aaron in New York. It's better for the Jets. It's better for Aaron. It's better for the Packers. It's better for Jordan. It's just better for everyone in some capacity to just get this done at some point. I'm not saying Goody should be forced to do anything. And I think he's doing the right thing right now, but at some point it gets to be a little bit of overkill. So I do think they need to be a little bit careful with how they manage this. And you don't want it to get to the situation where you're leading up to the draft and you still don't have a solution. So what do I expect moving forward? As far as compensation, like I said, it's so hard to tell and it's in the eye of the beholder right now. And it's, we're just going to, we're going to find out soon enough anyway. So as soon as that comes, obviously we'll cover it here, but I do think this gets done sooner rather than later. I would still be slightly cautious with, with what you think they get in return. But right now, this is leaning very heavily in favor of the Green Bay Packers. I think Goot's done a tremendous job with managing this situation so far, at least in trade leverage. And I do think where I mentioned a couple weeks ago, second round plus, I do think now you are looking at first round plus because of how this situation was handled by the Jets and how Brian Gutekunst and company have handled this situation on their side. So far, this has been a win from the Packers side of things when it comes directly to playing out leverage and what you can get in return from the New York Jets. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.